Welcome to Bear Creek AG's online service podcast. We're so glad that you tuned in with us today. We upload a new service every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. So we look forward to having you tune in with us again. Here's today's message. Amen. Well, this morning we have a treat. You have a treat today. And I don't mean because I'm not preaching, church. I know what you're already thinking. And no, I'm not going to tell you you're going to get out at a certain time, all right? But you'll probably get out earlier than if I were probably preaching. We know that. Well, I've always told y'all something, you rebellious bunch of people. You rebellious bunch of people. Let me tell you something. I told y'all if y'all would get it right the first time, I wouldn't have to preach two hours every Sunday, all right? Just get it right. Just get it right. Um, be, before I invite our guest up, um, it, it's really good to have Craig and Beverly with us this morning. I know Craig has been fighting with some health issues. He's getting better. And it is so good to have uh, Brother Craig back in the house with us today. Brother, been praying for him and just so, so glad that uh, he's able to be with us today. Well, I, it is my privilege today. You know, as I look out over this congregation um, I'm realizing how old that I'm, I am older, Brother Gerald, older, older. He says, he says, I cannot say I'm old till I'm his age. So anyway, so I'm older. Um, by the way, he and his wife are celebrating, he's celebrating a birthday and they celebrated 61 year anniversary tomorrow. Yes. Congratulations to you both. What a testament, man. She's a strong woman, man. She's a strong woman. She's going to have many jewels in her crown when she gets to heaven. But um, as I look over this congregation and I think about Garrett, our guest today, I I am getting older because uh, several of you were in my children's ministries many moons ago when I was just a young, young pup, a young lad. Of course, I started in children's ministry at age 12, so there we go. But, um, But part of, I think, the legacy that God is allowing me, I'm not old. If you want to know, I'm only that old. I'm, I'm embracing my age. Um, I think it's part of my, my legacy. I don't know if that's the right term, Pastor Ben. Um, but when I think of the investment in ministry I've had for 20-something years and, and feeding into people, I guess the reward, part of my reward here on earth, and I'm okay with is seeing the young people that I spoke into their lives, not that I'm responsible for where they are, but I played a part in where they're at. And so it is with this young man, um, Garrett McKenzie, um, was one of my kids. His sister, uh, Ashley, is a missionary to Spain. We support her. She was here last year with us. Uh, Garrett has been called in the ministry at age 14. He has been all over the world uh, ministering, preaching. Uh, He answered the call. I don't know how long you've been in vocational full there's no part-time ministry but vocational ministry right my volunteers my dream team knows there's no part-time ministry it's full-time but he has recently um, answered the call of God to go into U.S. missions and so he was pastoring four winds assemblies of God I don't know if it's it's an assembly of God church it's four winds out on the beach and that's this rowdy group right over here that's some of his his folks over here and um, but uh they want to come hear a good preacher. 
Well, they're going to today, um, as all of y'all will. But uh, so he resigned his church and answered the call to ministries, U.S. missions for right now. He's going to share some more, I think, and then he's going to give us a word. But he and his wife, Erica, are guests today. Will you help me make welcome the man of God that he has sent to us today? Amen. Come on up. Bro. You can use the stairs if you want to. Well, I know one thing is for sure. You know how to host the presence of God. And I care more about hosting the presence of God than anything else. We cannot do anything outside of his presence. We will fail if we do it in our own efforts. Everything that we do, we have to start and end in the presence of God by hosting him, him ordering our steps. I want to just thank you for hosting him so well. Pastor, thank you for hosting the presence of God so well. Thank you for having us, but especially thank you for hosting the Lord. You know, we go a lot of places, and, and you don't always see uh, just people host God as well as you do. So I just want to just bless you with that. It's amazing being in your house. Thank you so much. I have a video for you, if you don't mind, that kind of tells you a little bit about who we are. Hi, I'm Garrett McKenzie, and this is Erica McKenzie. And we've been church plant pastors for the past seven and a half years in Panama City Beach, Florida. This past year, God's been waking me up in the middle of the night and, and burdening me for New Orleans, where I would weep over the people of the city. As time went on, the Lord began to stir my heart and I realized that God was putting a burden in us to send us to New Orleans. I believe that God has called us to Bourbon Street, that He has called us to the French Quarter, and I believe that God is going to move powerfully in the days ahead. We are becoming U.S. missionaries through the Assemblies of God. So we are stepping out and we are beginning to raise our funds so that we can go to the area that God has called us to. We believe that God has set apart New Orleans for Himself. So where there is the greatest darkness, His light can reach. On the 600 block of Bourbon Street, there's a move of God happening in the bar. We're seeing people walk in off the streets. We're seeing people that normally wouldn't step foot into a church, step foot into the presence of God and be delivered and healed and set free. We're seeing God move among the homeless population. We're seeing God move in the least of these. And those that the church has not loved wholeheartedly, we have seen them loved by God and by God's people. We're excited to move forward and keep pushing the vision that God has given us for Bourbon Street and the French Quarter. They are doing baptisms on Bourbon Street. People are coming up drunk and leaving sober. They are doing so many things to help bring the truth of God to these people's lives. Um, people who are drug addicts, they are finding rehabilitation. They're finding the truth of God and it's setting them free. And so we are excited to continue and to keep running the race because it's not over and there's more revival, there's more love to be shown, there's more people to reach. We have felt the burden for the prodigals to come home on Bourbon Street. We have felt the burden for the drug addicts to be set free and those that are seeking to find Christ. And we have felt God's burden for them. And I want to thank you for partnering with us and sending us out to our mission field here on Bourbon Street. We believe that God is going to do incredible things as He's already done incredible things in Bourbon Street. We believe that we will see everything that He has spoken come to pass, and we believe that we'll do it with your help. It's amazing what God is doing 
and has already started. I want to share kind of how we stepped into this journey and what God has done over the past couple of years um, on Bourbon Street and in the French Quarter. And maybe you saw some of those images and you're thinking, what in the world are we getting into today? Um, but a couple of years ago, there's an owner of a bar, um, a famous bar, actually. It's called Saints and Sinners. Um, it's it's a, a famous actor that's the co-owner of that bar. But the co-owner named Mike, he got, he got radically saved by one of our street teams that ministers. And uh, when I say he, he radically got saved, he said, God, I'll, I'll give up drinking. I'll give up this lifestyle. I'll give up the bar. And he gave up the lifestyle, but God spoke to him clearly and said, don't give up the bar. I have use of it. And so if you know anything about Bourbon Street, it's about $25,000 a month to rent a facility on Bourbon Street. So this, this specific facility is about uh, $25,000 a month um, to operate a business out of. So there is no church presence on Bourbon Street. You can go and evangelize in the streets over the loud music and scream at people, and that's what a lot of churches do, but there is no way to go out and, and actually host a church. It's just not practical. There's no parking. It's $30 a day to park your car there. Uh, you know, it's, um, if, if you go into, into a bar like that or, or a facility like that, there's no place to have kids ministry. There's no place to, to build a church, and so uh, really, whenever uh, one of our team members was approached about hosting hosting a worship night inside of this bar. It was a wild idea that this bar owner had after he got saved, but of course, being an evangelist, this person said, yes, we'll host a worship night in your bar on, on the 600 block of Bourbon Street, which is unheard of. And so they, they uh, fly in a worship leader, which you saw, his name is Chris Burns, and he was leading worship um, there in the, in the bar in that video, and, and they host this worship night. And people start wandering in off of the street, walking up the staircase and walking into the middle of a worship service where they encounter the power of God, the same presence of God that's in the sanctuary this morning showed up in a nasty old bar on the 600 block of Bourbon Street and people started getting radically saved. One worship night turned into two worship nights and two worship nights turned into three worship nights and it turned into a worship leader moving from Nashville to come and host worship in this bar regularly every single week and so people started started getting saved. There's actually one man that was a sex trafficker that came in, got touched by the power of the Holy Spirit, gave his life to God. How many women are not being trafficked right now because this man got saved and baptized on Bourbon Street? What you saw was a bathtub that they're actually pulling out onto the balcony of that bar and baptizing people from death to life as, as the crowd is walking by. So you may see people with alcoholic beverages in their hand. It's because it's the middle of the party. It's the middle of the pit of hell that God is raising people back to life again. He is bringing the dead back to life. And I just wanna let you know, I know that a lot of fear comes into the church and obviously not in this church because you're packed, but, but a lot of fear comes into the church church. Everywhere we go, we hear we're too afraid to go to church. But can I tell you that people are flooding those streets and the revival is now. God is wanting to move in power now. The gospel has not changed. The cross has not lost effectiveness. The Holy Spirit has not backed, backed away and been scared of what's going on in the world. He is moving in power and he is moving in the least of these, in the most unlikely of places. He's moving where we didn't expect him to be. He's moving on Bourbon Street and on the 600 block, right in the middle of it all. 
It's amazing as worship services began to happen and, and revival services, they actually formed what was called the Bourbon Street Revival. And um, as these began to, to form and, and weekly, they would just come in and, and, and I, I'll be honest with you, the, the bartenders were still there, but they, all the bartenders got saved. So uh, nobody was buying alcohol at the bar anymore. If you saw alcohol in the video, it's because they actually brought in the bottle. Um, they actually weren't serving upstairs because the bartenders, me and Erica were there when the bartenders were raising their hands and weeping because the presence of God touched their lives. So um, we've been now given permission to go in by the bar owner that has gotten radically touched by the Lord and minister to his staff once a month while we're itinerating in Louisiana and here. So we are starting to go in and minister to the staff one-on-one with them, bringing them monthly gifts and, and just um, really following the, the model that Nicole Phillips has as, as reaching out, if you guys are, are familiar with, with Lavish Ministries. Uh, but, but she's helped me a lot in knowing how to, to move forward in that. And so we're stepping forward and, and beginning to minister there. And we didn't realize what God was doing with us. We just knew that I was, as I shared in the video, that God was waking me up in the middle of the night with a burden. And so we began traveling back and forth to this, this place where there are uh, mutual ministry friends. And we began attending these services. That was us inside of one of the revival services there. And we began going once a month, just traveling over on our own budget, just, just making it happen. And what we didn't realize is that God was sending us to New Orleans. Through a series of transactions that the Lord's timing was exactly perfect. And pastor, just as you said, God doesn't give you the whole picture. He just asks you to walk in obedience with that first step. We began to build those relationships. And pretty soon it was offered to us to begin holding services in that bar free of charge, we're able to hold services, treat that as a ministry center upstairs anytime that we wanna host services, host worship nights, host prayer nights. And so we began to pray and this next month we're launching uh, Bourbon Street House of Prayer that's going to be in the upstairs of that bar room. And um, it, just, just to kind of give you, I know some of your eyes are <laughs> so big, but just to kind of give you a picture of how um, incredible this is. This is actually uh, Channing Tatum's bar. So, so if you look at this, it's by the world's standards, this makes no sense. By the church's standards, this makes no sense. But by God's standards, he is a resourceful God. And he will use anything that he can get his hands on for the kingdom of God to advance. And so we're seeing God do some incredible things. We want to continue the vision that God has given these worship leaders and evangelists. And God has given us an amazing team to start working with. Uh, worship leaders that are coming from Baton Rouge. Worship leaders that are coming there locally um, to gather. And, and people that are partnering with us. We're raising up locals so that this will be something that will be established long term. Where we can have pastors from the city and the quarter connected to this. As people get saved, we can plug them into their churches. And so we're not just hosting prayer. We're hosting worship and prayer as evangelism. Because if you know anything about Bourbon Street, there's music on every corner. All through, all through the French Quarter, honestly, it's one of my favorite things about the area is the, is the street performers because you hear music and you go down Royal Street and, and there's music. You go down Canal Street and there's music and everywhere you turn, somebody's playing music and people go there for food, for music, and for sin. Those are the three things that they go there for. But I believe that God is going to use what the enemy has turned and, and distorted and he's gonna use it for his glory. And so we're gonna see worship brought to Bourbon Street 
and see the transformation of a city. I truly believe that the next time you start hearing a Bourbon Street, it's not going to be, well, I'm glad you're going, but I would never want to go there. It's going to be, I can't wait to get there because God is moving. God is he's transforming lives. I can't wait to get into the presence of God there. He's transforming a city. I believe that that is the call that God has given my wife and I in stepping into Bourbon Street and in the French Quarter. What's amazing about, there's so many things amazing about this, but one of the most amazing things is um, how you catch the heart of God when you host God. You know, I, I think that uh, I, I've heard stories inside of this church already and ministries, the homeless ministry that, that has started inside of this church. I, I love you guys so much and you've encouraged me because it actually started from visiting New Orleans and, and I just, I love that so much. It stirred my heart and um, and I, I love Project Visible and, and what you guys are doing, but you've caught the heart of God. What's happened is you've hosted God in your personal life and you've caught the heart of God and you're carrying out the vision of God. You're taking that first step of the yes that you mentioned. And I, I just believe that this is a house that has truly caught the heart of the Father. And so what has happened as we've hosted God in this bar, in this old stinky bar room of all places, We've hosted his presence to the point where people started catching his heart. And a passion for the homeless began to spring up because if you, if you read the Bible, you see all through where Jesus commands us to love the poor, to take care of the poor. And the poor are surrounded, addicts and, and, and the poor are surrounded on Bourbon Street. I, um, I love what they're doing. They started going out every week. There's actually people that travel from out of state every six weeks. Um, bringing supplies to the homeless because God touched them in one of these services. God touched us in those services as well, and we started going out and ministering to the homeless. But I'm going to have my wife come and share just a little bit about what's going on in that ministry. Good morning. I'm so happy to be here. Um, God's doing really amazing things with our homeless friends in New Orleans. Um, we were able to do a Christmas party in December, and we hosted 120 of the homeless community in Jackson Square. And if you're familiar with Jackson Square, um, it's in front of this big, beautiful Catholic church, and there's usually 30 to 40 fortune tellers lined up in that whole area. We set up our tables and our supplies among the fortune tellers, and all of the homeless gathered there because our team went out beforehand and gave gave out personalized invitations to them to make them feel special for this Christmas party. So we gave out 120 sleeping bags, hot meals, and warm clothes. What was really beautiful about it was that as all of, um, all of our friends were lined up and we were about to start a meal, we were going to sing some Christmas songs. But one of the gentlemen there who was homeless, he raised his hand and he said, I think I would rather just worship God. And he got up in the front of all of these people and started singing a hymn. And it was so sincere, and the atmosphere broke in that moment when he did that. If you've been there, you know how dark it is, and you can tell the difference of if where God is and where something else is. <laughs> the atmosphere broke, and um, we were singing earlier this morning, and one of the songs, it had the idea of the lion of the tribe of Judah roaring over his people. A male lion, when it lets that sound out, it can reach up to five miles, and it has one of two purposes. The first and main purpose is that it is letting any enemies within that five-mile radius know, I am here, and you will not touch my tribe. I am coming for you. 
And in Jackson Square, that sound was released. That signal was released to all of those spirits who think that they have control over that area. And that signal was released over and over and over. Like it was released this morning over and over and over that God will not let the enemy touch his tribe. And he is not going to let the the sin and the darkness in that area continue because it is time for revival to come back. And so it was such a powerful moment. And um, we actually, one of the um, fortune tellers, she became my friend. I met her and got to really connect with her. And she stopped what she was doing where she was making money, giving fortunes out to all of the tourists and came and stood by me and started serving the homeless people. And she's just so sweet, and um, we have great, great hopes and prayers for her. So that was really amazing. And we actually have another function coming up in Easter where we're going to be doing the same type of thing. It's going to be Jackson Square. We're going to be serving them hot food, um, backpacks, and Bibles. And we're going to be leading them into an an Easter service. And we actually have um, picnic tablecloths, and we're going to have it picnic style where we can actually sit down with them and um, just really talk with them and look them in the eye and not just serve them food and leave. You know, so we really want to invest our time. Um, Also, in April, we are going to be relaunching a program called Taco Tuesday. And that had to quit because of COVID. Yes, (laughs) they're really good, too. They're not, they're the good tacos. Um, But it had to stop because of COVID. Um, But what it basically is, it's church for the homeless, and it's serving dinner to them up in the upper room of that bar. Um, Up until when we start back in April, it had been taken to the streets, basically, where they were feeding them out where they were. So our our team, they are faithful, and they go every single Thursday at night, and they go up and down the river, and they make sure they see every single homeless person, and they know them all by name, not their street name, their actual name, which is a very big deal that they feel comfortable to give that to the team, um, and they feed them and pray for them. And what was really special was Garrett was actually able to um, go out with them recently on one of the Thursday nights, and there's a gentleman there named Bubba. Um, He's older, um, he has a cane, and he's bent over. He has, his body is full of arthritis. Here's Bubba here in the hat. Um, His body was full of arthritis. He actually had bone um, fractures, And he had issues with his hip, and he had a lot of problems because he has been sleeping on um, hot and cold pavement for a very long time because he's homeless. So he had a lot of issues with his bones and a lot of pain. So um, the lady on the left, that is Miss Rhonda. She is one of the leaders with the homeless team. They began praying for him. And as they began praying, um, all of the pain in his body started leaving. (laughs) And Miss Rhonda would stop and ask, how are you feeling now? How are you feeling now? And continue until he had absolutely no pain in his body and he was able to move and do things that he couldn't do before. Um, So (laughs) it was amazing. And so he was praising and worshiping God right there in the middle of the street. Um, So God is just really moving in the homeless community and we're so... um, we're so privileged to be able to work with them and partner with what God is doing. And I just want to thank you for having us. I'm going to give it back over to Garrett. So we believe that our call is twofold. Our call is to host God and to host worship and prayer as a form of evangelism, but also keeping it the first priority on Bourbon Street, that we are sending out that message that God is building a stronghold there, enough of the stronghold of the enemy. God is building a stronghold on Bourbon Street, and we are building that stronghold with the Lord. We're partnering with him him in that, but the second part of that is that we are to love the least of these. 
We are to love those that maybe the church hasn't known how to love up until this point, or maybe we're to love those that, that the church just has not loved well up until this point. Um, not you, but on Bourbon Street, right? <laughs> Isaiah 61.1 says this, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness for the prisoners. This is the message that I believe God has given us, that the spirit of the sovereign Lord, just as it was on Jesus, to proclaim good news to the poor, that I believe that we are sending a message to the least of these, that the gospel is for them, that the kingdom of God belongs to the least of these. It belongs to the poor, and the, the last will be first in the kingdom of God, that he actually cares for them. They're his sons and his daughters. Every person that walks into that bar, every person that's seeking identity, every person that is in addiction and trying to find their place, they're lost sons and daughters of God, and we are called to restore them into the position that God has ordained them into as a son or a daughter. You know, William Seymour, how many of you have heard of William Seymour? This stirred my heart so much. Um, I didn't realize all of the history of his past. When I first started this, um, I, I, I've studied William Seymour in college. I, I understood the Azusa Street revival and, and, and what had happened in his later years, but what about his early years? In his early years, um, he was actually born into extreme poverty in Louisiana. William Seymour was, was born, uh, actually, um, his parents were slaves. It was during the time of slavery, and when they abolished slavery, um, he, he ended up in New Orleans because his dad ended up in the hospital, his dad didn't make it, and it was really a rough time for William Seymour, right? We don't ever hear about his early days. But it was a rough time for him because he was in so much poverty that in 1896, the family's possessions were listed as one old bedstead, one old chair, and one old mattress. All of the property valued at 55 cents that they owned. William Seymour, as many of you know in this room, fled that area and went through a series of events of yeses to the Lord where he ended up leading one of the most powerful moves of God America has ever seen, the Azusa Street Revival. The reason why we're sitting in this room, there are roots from the Azusa Street Revival. It became this mission-sending uh, movement where God was touching people's lives with the presence of God and people were selling everything they had and moving to other places to, to tell people about Jesus. And here we are sitting in a room that's a mission-sending organization built on the same foundation of revival and hosting the presence of God and sending out missionaries. And I just wonder how many of those homeless people know that walk the same streets as William Seymour, that there is destiny attached to their life, that that man, William Seymour, led one of the greatest moves of God that, that, that America had ever seen, and he was just as poor as any of them. He was just like them walking their streets from that same area. I wonder how many of them know that the gospel is good news to the poor. I wonder how many of them know. I believe that God is sending us because he's anointed us to preach this message. I know that everyone has a message that God, kind of a, 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 
part of the gospel that God, God just highlights in their life. God has highlighted this to us, that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on us, and we are carrying a message for the least of these. We are carrying a message for the addict. We are carrying a message for the drunk. We are carrying a message for the homeless, that the spirit of God is on us to tell you that he is setting the captives free. He's here to bind up the brokenhearted and to release from darkness the prisoners. I wonder how many of them know. You see, this is our call. This is why we need his presence. This is why we need revival. We need his covering because this message is the heart of the Father and we have to proclaim it with his heart. There is purpose attached to the presence. I just want to steward that infilling well. On the streets of New Orleans, with what God has graciously poured into our lives all of these years, what God is pouring out on Sunday morning after Sunday morning, I just want to steward it well with my life on the streets. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on us. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on each of you because he has anointed you with purpose. Amen. I uh, didn't tell your pastor what I was preaching on this morning. But if you have your Bibles and you'd like to turn to Genesis chapter (laughs) 1. I'm not kidding. (laughs) Starting with verse 2, it says, The earth was waste and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. Don't you just love the Holy Spirit? (laughs) I didn't tell him. That's in my notes. I didn't tell him that I was preaching on this. That phrase, waste and void, in Hebrew can be translated as chaos, helplessness, powerless, emptiness, or a total waste. It's so interesting to me. I can, I, I, I can look through scripture and, and think, okay, well, how can I relate this to what God is speaking? But what I realize is that even as I go through the Old Testament, all the way into the New Covenant and the New Testament, everywhere we see God doing something, we learn something about his nature. And so as we look at the very forming of creation, we learn something if we have eyes to see about the very nature of who God is and how he operates. Waste and void over the chaos, the helplessness, the powerlessness, the emptiness, and what was a total waste. You know, when we hear something chaotic or helpless, powerless, empty, or what looks like a total waste to us, I'm afraid that we automatically assume that separation from the chaos is union with God and what is most holy. But when I look through the scriptures, I find that he's a friend of sinners. When I look through the scriptures, I find that he meets the woman at the well. I find that he loves those that the church was confused about why he associated with, that that he talked with those that the church misunderstood. Who, Who is he that he would talk to her? Or who is he that he would talk to him? I find that Jesus, the very nature of Jesus, the very nature of our God is to find that which is a total waste and redeem. It says that a mighty wind was moving or hovering, another translation says, over the surface. And the only place, the only other place in scripture where this verb is used 
is in Deuteronomy 30 to 11 when God's presence is described as a mother eagle or bird beating its wings over her little ones, encouraging them to fly. Before I go any further this morning, I wanna remind you that because of the blood of Jesus, the veil is torn and the Holy Spirit is hovering in this sanctuary this morning over your chaos and over that which you have deemed as helplessness, over that place that you don't know how to resolve on your own, over the purpose that he longs to speak, but you feel empty inside. Understand that the Holy Spirit and the nature of God is this. He is present to redeem that which the enemy has stolen. He is present to redeem that which you have said. I can no longer be used of God because of X, Y, and Z in my life. I'm telling you that the Holy Spirit and the nature of God is present to redeem and restore purpose, to your life. He is there to speak that which is empty. Know that when the Holy Spirit hovers, he hovers with purpose to cause you to rise up and see that you can, along with him, rise up to the occasion and the call that is on your life. Isaiah 40, 31 says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. This morning, some of you already encountered that in this altar as you responded over the, really the same word has been shared this morning over and over because I believe that it's a message of the heart of the Father that he is here to redeem and restore and heal and deliver and set free. And whether that's your salvation or the call of God on your life, go ahead and pick it up. It's free this morning. The blood of Jesus has paid for it. The blood of Jesus is powerful and effective to redeem and restore. Could it be that the very chaos and helplessness, the powerlessness, and the emptiness, and the waste on the earth that is where we actually find the Holy Spirit hovering. I'm convinced that the revival that God longs to pour out is for the helpless and the homeless and the least of these. That it's for those that say, my life is a waste. I believe it's for the man that his father thought he was dead, but he was actually on Bourbon Street an addiction and our team found him and he was sitting at Taco Tuesday and he has a cell phone in his hand but that cell phone was a, was a cell phone of one of our team members because his father was hearing for the first time in months that his son was alive. I believe that there's purpose attached to that man's life. I, I, believe it's, I believe the next revival we're going to see is going to be outside of the four walls of the church. I, I believe that his presence is going to be poured out in the church house, but I believe, it, I believe it's Project Visible that's gonna carry the revival. I believe it's gonna be the homeless ministries that carry the revival. Those that are ministering in the prisons, I believe it's those that will say, God, I see your heart. I discern your heart. I see that you're hovering over my life, and I say yes to you in this moment. You're here to redeem and restore that which the enemy has stolen. I believe that this is the answer for America. I believe that this is the answer for the hour. We want revival. Then we have to lay down our yes. The Holy Spirit's already hovering. The veil is torn. The cross is effective. And he is here to redeem and restore and save that which is lost. Could it be that the very chaos that we run from is actually where we see the Holy Spirit hovering? The Holy Spirit is described in this creation verse as the Ruach. 
It's one of my favorite terms of the Holy Spirit. It's the courageous blast or wind, the breath from God's lungs. It brought new life where there was hopelessness. It brought new life into creation, right? And we can say, well, that's just creation, but let me tell you that that's just the nature of who God is. It's just how he operates. That's why I wanted to go back to this verse this morning and see that the very beginning of creation, God had in mind restorative nature and purpose attached to that which was a total waste. The Holy Spirit is also described as Ruach in Ezekiel 37, which is another scripture of our lives. A place in scripture. How many of you have heard of what's, what goes on in Ezekiel 37, the, the valley of dry bones? Amen. Ezekiel 37 is a place where we see the ruach of the breath of God breathing over the house of Israel. Israel was in a place where they felt scattered and hopeless. Israel, the apple of God's eye, felt without hope, without any hope of the future, without hope of the present even. They felt like a valley of dry bones. It's a, it's a picture to understand the state of their hearts. Ezekiel 37, 9 said, then he said to me, prophesy to the Ruach, prophesy son of man and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come Ruach from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. The Ruach is the blast of God's breath or wind of God that revives those lost in hopelessness. It brings about divine order where God's destiny is not functioning and the order within a person's life. We believe that we are called to the Ruach of God, the wind of the Holy Spirit, to bring that which is spiritually dead on Bourbon Street back to life and in the French Quarter back to life again. When I was younger, I felt God calling me to see the broken revived in God and I thought to myself, I, I make fun of myself now. <laughs> but I thought to myself, big stadiums. Of course, as a kid, that's what you think. You hear revival, and I see a revivalist, and it's a, it's a platform of Christian people. <laughs> speaking to other Christian people, and everyone's crying out for revival. But when I, when I look at Pentecost, we have to be revived unto something. It's not just, you know, God give me a good, good church service. It's God revive me unto something, you know. I, I read in the, the, the early church, and, and I look, and what they stewarded after Pentecost was going out and doing the things that Jesus did. They, they actually stewarded the presence. They realized the purpose that was attached to the presence at Pentecost. And so as a young person, I, I believe that, you know, platforms of Christian people, I'm called to be a revivalist and call people back to life again. And I thought, you know, this is exciting. How fun. What I didn't realize is that God was actually calling me to the valley for the rest of my life. <laughs> you laugh, but it's true. He calls those that are called into true, genuine revival to call the lifeless back to life again into the darkest of places. I believe that some of you are, are saying, God, I'll be used of you, but he's, he's given you a, a valley in front of you and said, will you say yes to it? And it's not what you expected. It's not what you thought his answer was going to be. But I'm telling you that he speaks in seed form and there is promise attached in that seed. And if you will steward that seed and water 
current and walk with him in the place of intercession and obedience, you will see the fruition of that revival. You will see the healings on the street. You will see salvation on the street. You will see the revival that you've cried out for. I think many that, and I, I, this is not against this church, this is just me speaking in general of, of what I've observed over the years of growing up. I believe that many that cry out for revival are not actually crying out for the things I'm preaching on. They're crying out for God to come and do the things that they have failed to walk in obedience for themselves. They have go, they're asking God to come and love the people that they have said no to on the street. They're asking God to come and restore the people that they have not gone and shared the gospel with. But when I read Acts chapter 2, I see something happen to the church where they cry out in the secret place and they go out in the public place and the demonstration of God will always fall on sacrifice. If you say yes to God and you lay it on the altar, you will see the revival that you've cried out for. Prophesy to the Ruach, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, Ruach, from the four winds, and breathe into these slain that they may live. We are called to Bourbon Street to breathe into those slain that they may live. When I look and walk Jackson Square and I look those fortune tellers in the eyes, I call on the Ruach of God. When I walk and I see the addict going through withdrawals on the street, I, I look them in the eyes and I call on the Ruach of God. I can't do this on my own. I, I can't heal on my own. I can't deliver on my own. I can't save and set free on my own. But when I call on the Ruach, the Holy Spirit, the one that is able, the sovereign God, the one that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that every demon on Bourbon Street has to bend its knee to. This sickness has to bend its knee to. When I call on the Ruach of God, I will see him revive those that are slain. Ezekiel 37 1, and I'm almost closing, I promise. The hand of the Lord was on me. Say, the hand of the Lord was on me. Now believe it. <laughs> Amen. The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord. This is the worst part of this whole thing. And sat me in the middle of a valley. <laughs> it was full of bones. And he led me back and forth among them. And I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley. Bones that were very dry. And he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? In this vision, God's hand is on the prophet to bring revival to the house of Israel. Wow. God's hand doesn't lead the prophet to the mountaintop where the valley, uh, excuse me, to the mountaintop where the army is at, standing strong. He leads them to that which is hopeless. He leads them to that which is a total waste in their heart, where they say, God, I feel dried up. If you continue reading, they say that it's the house of Israel feels dried up and their hope is gone. It, it literally says this in Ezekiel 37, that that's the state of the house of Israel, how they feel. And the prophet recognizes something. Number one, the hand of the Lord is on him. And then the hand of the Lord sets him down into the valley and leads him back and forth among the bones. Do you see it? Do you see the addict? 
Church, do you see it? Do you see the homeless in your community? I believe the hand of the Lord is on you. And I believe that he set you down in Bear Creek. I believe he set you down in Panama City, in Panama City Beach. I believe he set you down in wherever you live. He set you down into this valley. And I know we can look around and be discouraged, but look up. Recognize that the hand of the Lord is on you. That what we are going to do is see God fulfill every promise as we say yes to him. And we take in what's going on in our city and what's going on in our community and say, God, I hear the whisper of your spirit. Son of man, can these bones live? I hear what you're saying. Every time you come to these altars, do you hear the whisper of the Holy Spirit? Son of man, can these bones live? I believe that God is still restoring and redeeming and healing and setting free, but he only does it as far as the church is willing to reach. If we never reach, we'll never see the revival. If we never step down into the valley and walk among the bones, then we'll never see those set free that we've cried out for. Isn't it interesting that it's in that valley that God begins to speak to the prophet about his calling? You see, when we're called to breathe life into the lifeless, often we expect something for God to do. And he's just looking for your yes. He's just looking for you to partner in the place of prayer, intercession, and obedience. I believe that Bourbon Street is our valley of dry bones. It's lifeless, it's spiritually dead, and it is void of God's power. But just as the prophet, God has, has his hand on us and is setting us down in a location at 627 Bourbon Street, and we have watched the lifeless enter that place and life come into their lungs again. We have watched the tendons attach. We have watched the bones rattle. And I believe that we are going to see even more of what God has promised in the word of God. That if we will do what he has called us to do, that we will do even greater things than Jesus did when he walked. He has called us to labor with him in the place of prayer in the middle of the valley. And he has called us to walk among the bones and partner with him to bring them back to life. You see, our valley is the place that we are shown our promise. New Orleans is our valley, but if you say yes to God, then congratulations, you got a valley too. One that you were called to labor in the secret place with. One that you are called to walk among and speak the word of God over. For some of you, it's lost family members. For some of you, it's your coworkers. For some of you, it's the homeless in this city. But church, don't just look at the valley of hopelessness and look up, look up and see the hand of God that's over you in the valley. He's still moving through his bride. He's still moving through his church. And I believe that some of you have already caught that vision. It's evident by how packed this house is because that doesn't happen just because God kisses the place. It happens because he kisses people. Some of you have caught that vision, but I just want to be a reminder to you this morning that the hand of the Lord is on you in the valley. There is purpose attached to the presence that's in your life. And the revival that you've asked God for, it's coming through your hands and your mouth as you reach those that feel hopeless and lost. Pastor.
believe with all my heart that we've heard from the Lord today. Aren't you glad you came to church today? I've been challenged today. My question is, before we bless them and pray over them, maybe this message has challenged you in another way. Maybe you're here this morning and you are the dry bones. I thank God for the calling that he's placed on Garrett and Erica and where they're going in the ministry that God's going to do. They've got a, they've got a, they got a calling. They're answering the call. But the reality of it is, with a, with a message like that, as much as it's going to prompt us to, we're supporting them if you didn't know that. And we will take up an offering here shortly. But that's not really why they came. He texted me, or actually we emailed and confirmed, and he says, Am I, do I have a window or am I preaching? I said, you're preaching, and I don't know why God led me to allow him to preach. It's a challenge for us all. One is a challenge if you're here this morning and you're unsaved. God can give you purpose. God can breathe the life into your dead areas. You might be here this morning and maybe you're saved, but you're rattling as you walk because you've lost your purpose. There's a healing, restoring presence of the Holy Spirit here this morning. And I know the Spirit of God's already moved and the altar's filled up with folks, but maybe you didn't respond because you didn't know to. And now maybe the Holy Spirit has prompted you this morning. We're not going to belabor this time. I'm just going to ask everybody just, just, just for a moment just to keep your peace. If you're here this morning and you do not know Jesus as your personal Savior, or maybe you're a prodigal. I'm not here to debate prodigal with you. I'm just here to say you know that God is calling you home. And he's waiting for you with the ring and the robe. And that's you this morning. And you just want to come down and spend some time with your Heavenly Father. He's waiting for you. These altars are open. Anybody at all this morning? Anybody at all this morning? Just I'm struggling, Pastor, in my walk. I'm fighting a fight that I just can't seem to win. You're in the right place today. You don't have to leave this here this that way. Anybody at all this morning? Don't have to leave here the way you came. My friend, I believe every Sunday we can leave knowing, leave here knowing we've met with a living God that all he has to do is speak and things happen. Anybody at all this morning needs special prayer that has not already come down? I'm going to ask for my hospitality team very quickly because we have, if I could have some hospitality team outside just in a moment, we're going to pray for this family that's coming down. Amen. I will say this before we pray because I know in just a moment some of y'all because of lunch arrangements or maybe you have someone you take care of or that you may have to leave. If you want to give today on tithely, just mark it down. You can put 
New Orleans, whatever prompts your mind, make sure you put it to missions and that will go. If you came, if you want to give personally, our hospitality team will be in the back as you leave to take up in your tithes and offerings as well. But we're going to be supporting this family as they go extended from here to there. As we, they represent Bear Creek. Amen. Let's pray for this family. Thank you for joining our podcast. Here at Bear Creek AG, our goal is to help others know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Have a great week.